the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited that you're with me, and and I think I have a really good show for you today. I enjoyed putting it together, and I use it frequently in my own life and also with clients in my office. And so this is called, I'm Coming Home to Me. And I want you to think about that. What does that mean to you? I'm coming home to me. I mean, how often are we really aware of ourselves unless we're upset with ourselves? And so this is about intimacy. Do you know you? Are you familiar with you? Are you good friends with you? Do you care about you? So if I say the word intimacy, what comes to mind? Do you think romance, sex, emotional closeness? Well, you know, intimacy is a level of trust and comfort that we yearn for in our relationships with others. And it's also important to build intimacy with ourselves. So since you're with yourself all the time, thinking the thoughts only you know you're thinking, feeling the feelings only you know you're feeling, you might assume you automatically have an intimate relationship with yourself. But I want you to ask yourself these three questions. Do you enjoy spending time alone? Or does it make you feel kind of antsy? irritable, lonely, or reminding you that maybe you're going to be critical about the life you have, like, I don't even have a life. So how about, how do you talk to yourself? You know, we talked um, a couple, last week about this internal dialogue and how do we talk to ourselves. And, And so the internal dialogue, is it kind and supportive? Or do we belittle ourselves? with negative self-talk. How about this? Do you accept everything about yourself? 
Or do you feel like you'll never measure up to any certain ideal? So think about the level of comfort that you have with yourself. Think about your best friend or, or when you were a little kid, if, if you felt really close to your mom and how good it felt when mom was around or dad was around. And if you didn't have that kind of relationship with parents, think about with God. Are you aware when God's around? Are you aware of what he's doing in your life, how he's going before you and he's with you and he says he'll never leave you or forsake you? So don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. See, I I want you to understand if you can't enjoy time alone or you talk to yourself in unkind ways or you're constantly comparing yourself to others in a derogatory manner, like getting yourself in a one-down position, it's going to be hard to create an intimate relationship with yourself. So we're going to explore this concept of developing an unwavering self-acceptance. And that means integrating consistent self-care, giving yourself grace as ways to build intimacy with yourself. I want you to be comfortable in your own home. This is the home that God made for you to live out this entire life that he has for you to live. So recognize nobody can survive without a body. It doesn't matter how wretched the body might be, how beat up it is, how injured it is, how whatever your feelings are about it. If you don't have a body, you can't be on earth. So I want you to also remember, I'm going to give you a little, just a little insight and a little encouragement here. I want you to go to the website and click on the link in the bio. And you can download a free study guide. And this one is um, really talking about how to be your own best change agent. So how can I change the things that maybe are stopping me from having that relationship with myself that I need to have or that I want to have? So this is what I want you to think about. These these three sayings, I'm sure you've heard them. The first one is, excuse me, to thy own self be true. So what does that what does that actually mean? To my own self be true. Am I truthful with myself? Now, the majority of us will take that in a negative manner. We, we will say to ourselves, well, you know, I tell myself all the things that I'm not doing right and all the things I should be, could be, would be, if only doing, it would be a great life for me. But when you think about to your own self be true, What you want to think about is that you have an unwavering part of yourself that always has your back, that isn't criticizing, isn't condemning, certainly isn't going to let you get away with things that you know aren't healthy for you or helpful. But you need to have that part of you that says, hey, I got your back. I'm with you. No matter how many mistakes you make, no matter how much you mess up, no matter how embarrassing it might be, I'm with you. And then think about this saying. I'm sure you've heard this before. Everywhere you go, there you are. (laughs) I mean, when you think about that, it's like, I not only do I live inside of myself and I can't live without a body, I can't get away from myself either. So what happens to us if we're wanting to get away from ourselves? if this internal home that we have, we don't want to live in and we don't feel comfortable in it? 
But if we were to lose it, it would be a really big problem. So what do we do? Self-medicate, lie to ourselves, distract ourselves, you know, um, stuff things, pretend like it didn't happen. But everywhere you go, there you are. So you'll never get away from yourself. And, and when God really explained this to me, that I was still going to be Cynthia in heaven, that that meant I'd be Cynthia forever. Now think about that. When I had to contend with that thought, then I am going to be me forever. It's not like I'm going to die and go to heaven and be somebody else. I'm still going to be me. I'm a one-time occurring person. And so it really helped me to say, you know, I might as well learn to get along with myself, to have my own back, to be a trusted friend for myself. And that's when we talk about that triune, the me, myself, and I. How do I talk to me about myself? Do I collude with me against myself, right? So how about this? Are you safe with you? Are you a safe person for yourself? See, when you think about home, we, we tend to conjure up feelings of safety, of warmth, of security, of maybe somewhere that we can relax. Now, even if we didn't have a great childhood, we still have these attachments to where we started. So when you think about, I'm coming home to me, or I can say to myself, I'm coming home to you. I'm coming home to you, Cynthia. I abandoned you. I threw you aside. I judged you, whatever it is, but I'm coming home to you. So you see, little children need safe places. Well, so do adults. And most children identify their parents, their home, maybe their bed, or something or other as their safe place. We all need and must have safe places. The difference between adults and children is that adults can carry safety with themselves. See, this is what we're wanting parents to do with little children. We're wanting children to really bond with their parents so that they feel this wonderful feeling of security so as they grow up, they take that security, that feeling with them, and they're brave enough to go to school. And so this means that they trust themselves to make good judgment calls, to protect themselves, to look ahead, to look behind, to be prepared. This is what, this is what we want our children to grow up to be able to do, to trust their own judgment to really protect themselves, to, to value themselves enough that they will say no to somebody. We want them to be able to look ahead, to look behind, to be prepared. I mean, think about the things that we have that give us security, right? Women, we have handbags, right? We have everything we could possibly need in our handbag because we don't know what we're always going to need. Men, they have wallets, right? Children carry stuffed animals around, maybe a blanket, a binky, right? So we carry these things as a way to make sure that if we need something, we can acquire it for ourselves and those who are dependent among us. So home, you know, that saying is where the heart is. It means that everywhere I go, there I am. So I want my internal home to be in order so that everywhere I go, I'm safe, as safe as I possibly can be. 
instead of inviting dangerous, abusive, horrendous things into my mind, into my heart, into my life. So when we look at some concepts that help us be emotional and relationally safe, we're going to start with this first one. And we're kind of coming up to a break. So we're going to do the rest of them on the other side of the break. But think about this first one. Have you considered the fact when people say, well, honesty versus brutality? So do you think that you're able to be honest without being brutal? Think of how God talks to us. He's very honest with us and he tells us the truth. But he doesn't beat us up. He doesn't shame us with words. So are you honest with yourself or are you, or are you just brutal with yourself? See, brutality does not create safety and does not help you be the best version of you. It will cause you to be a lot more defensive and cause you to feel a lot more afraid and not, not be able to take risks. So this is Cynthia Hyatt, Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again in the next segment as we look for some of these things as to how to make a safe internal home. Well, thank you for joining me. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Lots of things available for you there. And we have also a great download about how to be your own change agent. And a lot of these are helpful things. We also have study guides that go with each show that you can share with your friends. You can do it on your own. And, and it really helps to just get you thinking and integrating some of this information. So we are talking about this idea of I'm coming home to you. And the you is you. So if I say, hey, to myself, I'm coming home to you, what does that mean? That means that I'm, I'm on my own side. That means I have my back. That means that, that home is the safe place for me and that I've created a safe internal home for myself. Because the better my internal home is, the more in order it is, the safer it is, the quieter, kinder, happier it is, then that's what people experience from me when they're around me. They get, they get versions of a part of what's inside of me. So I want you to think about these sayings that we started in the last segment. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's, the first one is, to thine own self be true. Are you true to yourself? Do you tell yourself the truth? Or do you just beat yourself up and add to the lies when you're telling yourself how bad you are? And think of this next one we talked about. Everywhere you go, there you are. You never can get away from yourself. So you might as well Make peace with yourself. You're going to be you for eternity. So are you safe with you? Are you a safe person for yourself? So we looked at this idea of honesty versus brutality. I'm very honest with people. They appreciate it. I, I love the verse where, where God says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I've experienced that. Even if the truth wasn't super comfortable or positive, 
when it's the truth. See, God made sure that the truth had a healing agent to it. That the truth helped us be free. And that we're not bound up with a whole bunch of lies that we hope are, are the truth and wish was the truth and all these coulda, shoulda, wouldas, if only then that we're telling ourselves. But God says, you know, the truth, when you know the truth, it will set you free. And the truth is not brutal. The truth is freedom. So how do you, how do you experience correction versus punishment? Do you see all correction as punishment? Does it create self-hatred, rejection? Do you abandon yourself because of it? Are you forgiving of yourself? We all need forgiveness all the time, every day. Every day we're going to do something that we need to forgive. And so we either get forgiveness from others, or, or if we're the only one that knows what we did, other than God, then we forgive ourselves. And we move on. That's the gift of forgiveness. That's the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross, was forgiving everything. All the way to the end of the day. From the beginning of time to the end. So when we are kind to ourselves and still holding ourselves accountable to an ethic, an ethical code, then we allow ourselves a do-over, a reset. And we've done, we've done shows on that. We've done shows on the greatest reset of all time, right? The greatest comebacks of all time. So self-acceptance. This doesn't mean tacit permission or denial of the truth. Acceptance means I accept myself exactly how I am. And if I don't like something, then I consider ways to change it. If I can't do it all on my own, I ask for help from someone else. I see a pastor teacher, authority figure of some kind that's safe, maybe um, a psychologist, a doctor, maybe I need a lawyer, whatever it is that I'm needing to be able to just accept what has occurred or what I have done so that I can move forward. How about loving yourself enough to take care of yourself? Now, we've done shows on that before because I say to people, imagine what it would be like if everyone just took care of themselves. What the world would be like if we all valued ourselves enough to care for ourselves and give us what we need, not always what we want, but what we need. So when we talked about this, I'm coming home to me. It is about this need for safe places. And the difference between children and adults is that adults supposedly take a safe place with them. That's why little children want to be around them. Because they don't have the capacity to do that yet. They don't know how to feel good about themselves for any length of time and have the agency to help themselves if they're needing help. So we all need and must have safe places. I want you to be able to be this safe person that is always on your side, has your back, doesn't always agree with you, right? Doesn't deny the truth. Doesn't say, oh, don't worry about it. Just do it anyways. You'll enjoy it and we'll take care of it later. I want that part of you that is willing to say, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think you're going to be happy with the end results. 
I need to take care of me. I'm depending on myself. So I just want you to take care of yourselves. You're valuable. You're loved. We need you. So the enemy wants you to think that you don't matter. And this is the greatest lie of all. See, I wish for you a safe internal world. So that everywhere you go, you have some level of safety, security, hope, inspiration, and love. Now, when we get it from the outside world, it's great. It is. I love it. But the nice thing about giving it to myself is that I'm not as needy then with others. So that I don't need it as much. And I actually have a lot more to give back. So we're coming to the end of this segment. And we are going to rejoin and talk about what we reap, we sow. Or the other way to say it is, what are, we are what we sow and we reap in kind. So I want you to think about this. What are you sowing into your life? It might be concrete things like exercise. It might be sowing wonderful, you know, supportive words and ideas and love for yourself. But we're going to reap what we sow. So I want you to consider, what is it that you're sowing? What are you planting inside of yourself? What are you letting other people plant into your heart and your mind? What are you allowing them to do with your own internal garden? Are you protecting it? Are you fertilizing it? Are you watering it? Are you defending it? So when other people are wanting to sow into your life, like that's exactly what I'm doing right now with you. You're listening to something I am sowing into your life. And it's going to be up to you to determine if it's something that you want in your own internal garden. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about coming home to me. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thank you for taking the time to really invest in your life today. So we are talking about coming home to me, or I'm coming home to you. Maybe we're saying that to ourselves. We're saying, hey, I'm coming home to you, Cynthia. I left you there for a while. I abandoned you. I I hated you. I kept throwing you under the bus, but I'm going to come home. I'm going to come home to my internal home, and I'm going to work it out. And I'm going to be at peace with myself. So we left that last segment talking about we are what we sow and we reap in kind. So we have an internal garden in our life, right? So do you just let the weeds grow and don't even bother to pull them? Do you even care what gets planted? Are you taking care of what you are sowing and what you will then be reaping? So one of the most important things to do in your internal world is to stop the negative self-talk. The negativity within us that inhibits us having a kinder, gentler internal world. 
So we have talked in previous shows about the negativity and actually how it damages the brain. So we do need to stop the negativity and increase the positivity ratio. And this helps us to bring a kinder, gentler version of ourselves into each relationship we participate in. Because we are what we sow. We reap in kind. So if I have an ugly internal world, I'm not going to be able to fake it for too long. And I'm sure you've been around people that you thought, ah, I don't know, they're just kind of, there's just something up. They're just, I don't know, that's uncomfortable. They're, they seem nice, but it doesn't feel nice. And so that, that, that's what you want to think about, is that people get this aroma of you, right? So how do we turn down the negative self-talk? And if you're a negative self-talker, you may not even realize it. It may be more unconscious at this point. See, remember, the brain is hardwired toward negativity. So it may be second nature and automatic. Maybe that's how you learned in your home. Maybe there was no positivity because people thought you would get grandiose or, or I don't know, conceited or stuck up or something. So one of the ways we become aware of our own self-talk is really tuning in, listening to yourself. The way you might listen to a dear friend or a loved one. Also, listen to what you hear coming out of your mouth. And, and you might say to yourself, you know, is that really, do I really want to allow myself to talk like that? Is that okay with me? So when we've looked at this whole idea, we, we were looking at WebMD, and Joanne Barker put together a great article about this very thing. And the article addresses negative self-talk and what to do about it. So firstly, we want to realize that it's not all in our head. It's a way of creating its own reality. That's what negativity has a, the ability to do. So it has a way of creating its own reality, just like telling yourself you can do something is a way of making it happen. So telling yourself you can also d make something come true, this is where we are challenging ourselves to say, hey, I have a vision. I'm going to see if I can actually bring it into fruition. So what I'm going to need to do, though, is to support it with a lot of self, healthy self-talk and positivity. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be like out of my mind or something or fantastical. So people who think negatively tend to be less outgoing. They have a weaker social network than all the positive thinkers do. And multiple studies link positive emotions with more satisfying relationships, more romance, and a lower divorce rate. So we want to stop this because we want it to, to stop the downward spiral. Negative talk is like a runaway brain, runaway train. Sorry, <laughs> I was thinking of them both. So your mind goes around in circles and it's replaying a negative event and then showing you your own shortcomings. And the more you focus on that negative event, the harder it is to put it behind you, which makes forgiveness even more difficult which means you have to earn forgiveness, which is not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is a gift. It's given. We don't deserve it. But if you think too much in a negative manner about all the things you've done during the day or what you're lamenting or regretting of last week, you're going to have a harder time moving away from it and making the positive changes you need to make. <clears throat> so thirdly, this is what I want to do. I want to talk myself out of it. 
What does that mean? It means I change the self-talk. And it means I need a plan. So there are things we can do to help ourselves with this negative self-talk. And we're going to do this in this last segment. So I'm so glad that you joined me today. And I want to make sure that you can continue to listen to the shows. And so you can go to your favorite podcast server. We're on all those. You can also download the show from the website. So we're coming back to one last segment. So join me again with Conversations with Cynthia. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for tuning in. And if you're just now tuning in, make sure you go to one of your favorite podcast servers and download Conversations with Cynthia. And you'll be able to listen to the show in its entirety. I also want to encourage you to go to the website. We have lots of great things there for you. And we also have study guides that, that go along with each show. So you can, you know, it kind of helps to stimulate more thinking and more problem solving and reasoning. And so I want you to take advantage of those as well. So we are talking about this idea of negative self-talk. And that negative self-talk are like weeds that we plant in our internal world. Because we reap what we sow. So what we sow, we reap. So when we're thinking about negative self-talk, I want you to know that if, if it worked, then all of the psychologists, therapists, doctors, whoever, you know, coaches, God would be teaching you how to do negative self-talk. If it worked to get you to stop doing something wrong, but it doesn't. What it does is it weakens you and causes you to move more towards self-medicating. Because you feel so bad and you don't know how to stop feeling bad. So you either fall deeper into negative self-talk or you start doing some kind of self-medicating behaviors to at least dull some of the pain. So we talked about this idea about you reap what you sow and that we're trying to stop this downward spiral. So self-talk dictates how you relate to yourself and how you show up for other people. So you can't hide it for very long because people will start to get that aroma. Think about when we talked about that internal garden, that it will be apparent to people if you are negative inside, even if you're trying to sound positive. So we want to stop that downward spiral. And we want to really, thirdly, talk ourselves out of it. So I want you to talk yourself out of negative self-talk. So this means we need to make a plan. So the first thing that you can do is distance yourself from it. See, when I, when I have a negative thought or I find myself talking to myself negatively, I immediately banish that. I say, I'm not going there. I don't care how true it sounds. I don't care how legitimate it sounds. I know it will hurt me. It won't help me. So it doesn't mean I'm ignoring that maybe I did something wrong. It means that I'm not going to let this be a part of the process of me getting to be the person that I want to be. So I distance myself from negative self-talk. I say, you know, I'm not even going to listen to that. And then I distract myself. See, overthinking 
all the negative stuff we've done, right, is, is, involves focusing on this train of thought that goes around and around and around, and you can't stop the train until you start focusing on something else. So meditating on positive things, even if they're just positive memories from a long time ago, or really thinking about how, you know, the fact that I'm sitting in my house, that's a good thing. A lot of people don't have homes. Maybe I need to think about my health. Well, if my health is, is bad, then maybe I need to say, well, then thankfully, I have some resources for this. I don't want this problem, but I do have the help and the wherewithal to get what I need. So call it out. You know, take on your negative thoughts. You know, I've said to myself before, you know, who do you think you are talking to me like that, Cynthia? I'm not going to listen to that. You're not allowed to talk to me like that in that tone of voice. And so I take myself to task. I say no. And usually the negative self-talk happens for me if I have made a mistake, let someone down, or I can't do something the way I wanted it to be done. And so I'm frustrated. I'm upset. I'm despondent, whatever that is. And so I have to call out those negative thoughts and say, you know, I'm not going there with you. I'm not going there. And we also can do this next thing that I really kind of like. It's like I save it for later, right? So there's sometimes I just say, you know, I have, I have a lot of negative thoughts. I'm going to go put them over in the negative thought jar, and I will think about them tonight. Or I'll think about them in an hour. And so just distancing myself from them helps tremendously. So when we save these for later, what we're doing is when we hear ourselves blaming, comparing, doubting, condemning, I want you to write those thoughts down. Tell yourself you'll come back to it at some specific time in the day. And, and that helps your brain to stop telling you the same thing over and over again. See, this is how you ha- help your brain work for you. So then the last one that we do is we need to make it a positive. So this means I talk to myself like I would talk to a friend. I coach myself the same way I would a friend. I say things like, hey, I'm confident I have the skills that I need, and I am going to trust myself. I know I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to be perfect, but I'm proud of myself because I'm going to keep trying. So you're kind of like being your best friend or coach or advocate. So you be Jesus to you. So when we think about this, this idea of your internal home, that you live inside of you and God has intended for it to be a safe and nurturing place. So safety and nurturing do not mean without honesty. So when we think about this idea, how do you stop yourself from being mean? What do you say instead? See, we all have this mean voice, don't we? This critical part of ourselves. So first of all, I want you to adjust your thoughts. I want you to think about how you would like to be treated. Instead of just accepting the treatment that you're giving to yourself, I want you to say to yourself, how would I like to be treated if I made this mistake? What would help me? 
And so it's kind of like when someone makes you feel even worse about your messy moments, like how do you feel about the person who punishes you or criticizes you or rubs your face in your mistakes? And how differently do you feel about that person who shows compassion and understanding, the one who offers assistance and grace? See, those are the people you want to have be your friends will be that person to you. So think about how you would react to someone else. Okay, so there have been times when I have kind of shocked myself and not in a good way. And I've thought, I cannot believe I just did that. Or I can't believe I just said that. And I can even be like, wow, that is not in my nature. That's not me, right? So what I do is I think, how would I react or help somebody if they told me that they did what I just did? How would I treat them? That's how I need to treat myself. Because you see, if someone comes to me and tells me these things, these deep, dark secrets that they've done or thought, or this mistake that they made, or how they treated their child or their pet, or, or what happened at work. See, I don't beat them up. I say, well, hey, let's reason together. Let's think about this. How did this happen? What were some of the ancillary, you know, things that were setting this up? How did this occur? And how do you want me to respond to you? So they might say to me, well, I, I just kind of want you to pray for me. Or they'll say, I'm just glad I can tell you and not be just feel like even worse when I tell it to you. See, that's what we want to do. We want to think, how would I react to somebody? And so can I react like that to myself? And so then we also want to adjust our focus. I want you to focus on the relationship you have with yourself instead of all of the appearances. So if I've messed up, I don't want you to focus so much on the appearance you know, because appearances many times aren't even accurate. So are my words and my actions contributing to closeness or are they driving a wedge between me, myself, and I? Now I want to focus on the situation and not the behavior. So I can focus on what went wrong, not on me doing something wrong. And comfort and compassion go a long way. And when I practice boundaries, even with myself, I might say to myself, here's a boundary. You're not allowed to talk to me that way, Cynthia. I don't care if you have all kinds of memories of everything I've done in the past. I don't want to hear it. It's not going to help me because I know if it helped me, God would be doing that. He would be going down my laundry list every morning with me and every evening with me. If it were to work, that's what he would do. So apparently that doesn't really work really well with humans. So I look at the situation and I say, how did I even get to that place? What was going on with me that I kind of lost the program? And then I focus on prevention instead of correction. Now that doesn't mean that I don't do some Monday morning quarterbacking, right? But it means what I talk about is, hey, it's done. What's done is done. So we all know that maybe we lose the program at different times, but how do we regain it? We don't want to make it worse by being a part of the problem. See, the more I beat myself up, the more emotional, the more emotional pain I have, 
the more emotionally in pain I am, the more I'll want to do self-medicating behaviors, which usually and generally are not healthy. So I also then want to adjust my words. I want to listen to myself. Am I kind to me? Am I kind to others? And who am I kind to? And, and why do I speak kindly to other people? Is it because I'm thinking they deserve it or don't deserve it? Or is it because I want to be a kind person? But that's just what kind people do. So your words, you want to figure out what words you use and when you use them. And what kind of tone you have in your voice. And notice what sets you off. How do you feel afterwards? So we need to have a backup plan. So when you find yourself about to do something to someone that you might regret, take a deep breath, relax your face, and say to yourself, I love this person. Now remember, we've talked many times, loving and liking are not always the same. See, I can love humankind, mankind. It doesn't mean I like everybody. But even the people that I don't like, I can still love. And love means I cover. Love means I help them. Love means I don't make it worse. I don't throw them under the bus. I don't want them to be punished and suffer. And so this is how we make sure we have a backup plan. What can I do when I regret what I've done? Or regret how I treated myself? right? So then we want to also make sure that we're practicing a routine, a healthy, healthy routine. And we let go of things. We find out where the choices are, and we work on making a good choice. And if we have no good choices, then we choose the best out of the bad choices. And then we say, let's see, in the, in the New Living Bible, it says, in Galatians 2, 5, 22, it says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. That means they are applicable all the time with everyone. And so we also hear, I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. So if you are your own enemy, I tell you, love your enemy. And help without expecting perfection. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much. And join me next week. Let your friends know about the show. I appreciate it so much. And God bless you. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. 
If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from our website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.